Hi, this is Ananda, President of the Hare Krishna Community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. I'm the husband of the temple president. Um, so she told me to entertain the troops. So, no. so what, we do, what I thought I would do is, um, I know it's putting you on the spot a little bit, but ask you to ask any question you ever wanted. You know, there's usually some question that you wanted to ask, but you were afraid to ask. So here's your chance. Ask any question about Krishna consciousness. Anyone except Palaka. That's a very good question. Is there a sense of devotion to Srila Prabhupada as the founder of the organization? Did I get that right? Um, the, the tradition, uh, the ancient Vedic tradition is that one, and, and even in, in the West, uh, that one is naturally very respectful to one's teacher. And a matter of fact, the student-teacher relationship is, is a reciprocal one. It's not a mechanical one. It's, it's a personal relationship. Um, and uh, so we as disciples or grand disciples, in other words, disciples of his disciples, when, in other words, after he passed away, his disciples started uh, giving uh, uh, initiation, uh, feel a, a special um, natural indebtedness, because, as you said, because he was a founder. So for myself, I grew up on Long Island, New York, uh, you know, no idea about, uh, no real interest in spirituality and certainly no understanding of Krishna. And only because he, at the age of 69 years old, um, got on a steamship with no money in his pocket whatsoever and came to America with no, with the contact of one person in Butler, Pen anyone ever been to Butler, Pennsylvania? It's not a, it's not a huge metropolis. But, uh, and he came to teach about Krishna with no personal interest whatsoever. So naturally, for, uh, for us who are his disciples or followers, there's a special indebtedness to him as a founder for performing those kind of austerities to, um, to give us a chance to learn about Krishna. Um, that's, that's it in a, in a nutshell. Um, so, so traditionally, the, the guru-disciple relationship is one of respect. Um, and especially as a founder and as a person who, um, who wrote all of the books that we study, who basically, you know, we were like, uh, in terms of Krishna consciousness, we were spiritual infants. And he kind of uh, brought us up from uh, infancy to uh, kindergarten, to grade school, to high school, and maybe some of us are in college now. So there's, there's certainly that, uh, that indebtedness. Um, I was fortunate, I saw him once. In, in New York in 1976. And um, even that was a very special experience. And we have a few people here who had a personal association with him. Is that, is that okay? Yeah. Yes? No, we have uh, His Holiness Gopal Krishnamaraj has just arrived. Haribo! And uh, by the way, to answer, further answer your question, uh, no, no, Maharaj, please. Um, this person who just walked in, His Holiness Gopal Krishnamaraj, he is one of the few people who had extensive association with, uh, with our spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada. And uh, he may even be mentioning that during his talk today. So we are very uh, grateful to His Holiness Gopal Krishnamaraj for... Uh, extending the time to be here over the weekend where we can all get a chance to hear from him. And uh, a few things about Maharaj, because we could you know, take up the whole time talking about him, is that actually um, Maharaj, 22 days ago, was the 51st anniversary of when you met Srila Prabhupada. It was, uh, it was uh, June 1st, uh, 1968. And um, as probably many of us know, now uh, ISKCON has tens, if not hundreds of thousands of uh, devotees uh, from the Indian subcontinent. But uh, His Holiness Gopal Krishnamaraj was the first uh, Indian-born disciple of Srila Prabhupada's. Um, 
So he, he, he came, he went from India, studied in France, and then studied in uh, Montreal at a very famous university, same university my grandfather went to, uh, McGill University. And um, he, Prabhupada um, initiated him in 1969, and he gave him many responsibilities. One of the most important ones was overseeing the uh, translation and publishing of Prabhupada's books from English into Hindi. And uh, also Srila Prabhupada appointed him as uh, one of the members of the Governing Body Commission. And there's a Governing Body Commission of 36 members now in, in ISKCON. And only him and one other are, the are uh, two of the original members that Srila Prabhupada personally appointed. And he has many, many responsibilities, uh, especially, of course, in India and in Russia and in Africa and in America. And uh, we feel very blessed that uh, he's here today to give us this association. So please offer a warm welcome to His Holiness Gopal Krishna. Hi Krishna. Krishna. Nice weather, isn't it? Yes. If you go, when they go to the temple on a nice weather day, it means they're really sincere. Because usually, when the weather is nice, what do people do? Go to the beaches. When the weather, when the weather is nice, people want to go to the beaches or other festivals, other outdoor, other outdoor programs. You have to be really sincere. A nice day, if you decide, I'm going to go to the temple. So all of you here are definitely very sincere about pursuing spiritual life. Hi Krishna. So once again, we'd like to welcome all of you to the Sunday program. I have a bad cold, so I don't care. You can live with that. Prabhupada, when he opened the first Iskand temple in New York, he started the Sunday program. Prabhupada knew a day would come when most of his devotees would be staying at home. So the Sunday program offers us a wonderful opportunity to get together with other spiritually inclined people and to have darshan of the Lord and of course to taste Krishna Prasad. The purpose of this Krishna consciousness, can you hear me clearly in the back? The purpose of this Krishna conscious movement is to make people happy. Prahlad Maharaj in the Bhagavatam says, People do not know how real happiness can be found. But obviously, all those who are connected to ISKCON know that real happiness can only be found if we also endeavor spiritually. So, Prabhupada gave us many wonderful books in which the philosophy a pure devotional service is nicely explained. I'm going to speak from a small book called Sri Ubdeshwamit, written by a great sage called Rupa Goswami. As we explained last night, Rupa Goswami and his brother Sanatan were at one time running the most opulent kingdom on the planet. But in their heart, they were dedicated to Lord Chaitanya's movement. So eventually, they both withdrew from government service and on the order of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they came to Vrindavan. Lord Chaitanya instructed them to establish temples, to identify places where the Lord had performed his pastimes, and to write books on the science of devotion. The science of devotional service is something very important. <coughs> so, in this book called Sri Ubdeshramit, how many of you have a copy of Sri Ubdeshramit? 
This is presented in English under the title of Nectar of Instruction. And believe me, it's a small book, but has, and it has only 11 verses. But the 11 verses summarize our entire philosophy. So in the fourth verse of this small book, Rupa Goswami says, Tatati Padigarnati Vemakati Prajati Bhunakti Bhajayate Chayva Sadvidam Pidi Lakshanam. Translation is Offering gifts in charity, accepting charitable gifts, revealing one's mind in confidence, inquiring confidentially, accepting prasad and offering prasad are the six symptoms of love shared by one devotee and another. Do you want to repeat after me? It's a very nice verse. Offering gifts in charity, accepting charitable gifts, revealing one's mind in confidence, inquiring confidentially, accepting prasad, and offering prasad are the six symptoms of love shared by one devotee and another. Prabhupada writes a long purport, but he says, in this verse, Rupa Goswami explains how to perform devotional activities in the association of other devotees. So in the previous verses of the small book, Rupa Goswami has already explained the qualification of somebody who wants to be a spiritual teacher. Unfortunately, in today's society, we don't carefully examine the credentials of a spiritualist. There are spiritualists in society who have a corrupt character, who are immoral, whoever, but still they're accepted as spiritual leaders. But Rupa Goswami says, if you want to be a spiritual leader, then you should have control over the mind and senses. In other words, you should be somebody with character, somebody with integrity. Is that right? Now that anyone gets up, thinks that it's lucrative business being a guru, and he starts to initiate people. So Rupa, Rupa Goswami in the first word makes this point. What are the requisites for one who wants to be a spiritual teacher? And in the Chaitanya Chaitamrita, Lord Chaitanya says, a spiritualist must by his behavior convey the meaning of religious principles. In other words, we should, by our behavior, demonstrate purity and spirituality. Not that we say something and do something. Is that right? That's what you expect of your leaders. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Whatever great men do, others will follow. So when the great men are exemplary, people are also exemplary. And when the great men are like today's leaders, then people are also corrupt. Is that true? We look forward to integrity and honesty in leadership, whether it's political or whether it's spiritual. We must, by our integrity, convey the meaning of religious principles. Once there was a young boy who was suffering from heavy diabetes, and the young boy was too attached to eating sweets. So his mother would tell him again and again, Stop eating sweets, son, it's not good for you. But he couldn't give it up. So one day she took this son to the family guru. Said, Guruji, my son 
has very high diabetes and he's too attached to sweets. Please tell him not to eat sweets. The guru said, <coughs> okay, tell him to come back after two weeks. So, <coughs> after two weeks, the mother went back with her son to the guru. And the guru said, son, the diabetes is very high. Sugar is not good for you. Stop eating sweets. And the son said, okay, Guruji. I'll stop right away. So the mother was surprised. She said, the guru says one word, and he stops it. And she was wondering why the guru didn't give the same instruction earlier. So she asked the guru, why didn't you give this instruction two weeks ago? Why didn't you tell my son two weeks ago? that uh, you should not eat sweets. And the Guru said, two weeks ago, I was eating sweets myself. <laughs> so how could I tell him to stop? Now, I've stopped eating myself, I can tell him not to do it. So a spiritual teacher must preach by example. So Rupa Goswami, in the first verse, emphasizes the importance of the spiritualist having control for mind and senses. Then he goes on to explain how one's devotional service can be spoiled. The do's and don'ts when you buy an expensive product, along with that you get a manual, is that right? <coughs> and in that manual you read do's and don'ts, is that true? So the scriptures also give us do's and don'ts. So Rupa Goswami says, he explains the factors that can spoil one's emotional service, like overeating, over-endeavoring, wrong association, etc. And then he goes on to explain factors that are conducive for spiritual development, like association, etc. After explaining all this, Rupa Goswami proceeds to explain the six types of exchanges between devotees. So what are they? Give in charity. Accept in charity gifts. Reveal one's mind and confidence. Inquire confidentially. Accept prashad and offer prashad. They all sound attractive, don't they? So what is the first one? It's given charity and self-charity. So Srila Prabhupada, in the early days of her movement, was giving a, was having a discourse to the life members of Bombay. Prabhupada started the movement first in America. And after establishing the movement in America, he concentrated on Europe. And after establishing centers in Europe, at the same time, more or less, he was also concentrating on starting the preaching in India. Prabhupada would regret that the Indians are deviating from the real heritage. And Prabhupada, before coming to the West, Prabhupada labored very hard for nearly 40 years to establish Krishna consciousness in India. But unfortunately, he didn't have that much success. So it was always in Prabhupada's mind that we have to take the pure message of Krishna consciousness to India. So finally then, in 1971, he arrived in India with nearly 100 of his foreign disciples. And they started expanding the preaching. So Prabhupada started this life membership program which is a program primarily aimed at encouraging people from society to take the Krishna consciousness, to help the movement, and at the same time, one spiritually. So Prabhupada was giving a talk to life members, and he quoted this verse, offering gifts in charity. 
You may say, what do we have to give in charity? Most devotees don't have Swiss bank accounts. Or maybe they have local accounts, but I'm sure in the accounts you don't have a huge balance. So you may say, Rupa Goswami says, offering gifts in charity. What do we have to offer in charity? Who wants to volunteer? What do we have to give in charity? We have to give in knowledge, the spiritual heritage, the spiritual conclusions, the spiritual philosophy. The Vedic scriptures gave us information on what should be the goal of life. Majority of the people, unfortunately, have no understanding what should be the goal of life. Rupa Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, when he met Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in a mood of humility, he said, Kiyami, please tell me, who am I? And why am I suffering from the threefold miseries of life? So if we were to ask, who are you? What would be the standard answer? Anyone wants to volunteer? So, you're basically servants of the Supreme Lord. And why are they, why do we have to suffer the threefold miseries? This refers to miseries caused by the mind, miseries caused by other entities, and miseries caused by material nature. Material nature strikes hard. Is that true or false? If forest fires, can you put up a forest, can you put down a forest fire with few fire brigades? You can't even put it, even the whole army can't put it down. You have to wait for rainfall. So forest fires, drought, floods, etc. So there are so many different types of miseries. Krishna has explained in the Bhagavad Gita, the ancient book of knowledge, that the material life means misery and everything is temporary. We would like everything to be permanent. Is that true? We would like our relationships to be permanent. We would like our possessions to be permanent. But does it remain permanent? It doesn't matter how powerful a dictator you may become. Is there, is everyone's activity limited or not? It's limited. So in spite of our best efforts we see, we grow old. You may have anti-aging shops that give you paraphernalia to avoid the appearance of old age. But do these anti-aging shops have this formula by which you can permanently stop old age? Yes? No. You can't. So in spite of various alternatives, we see that misery cannot be stopped. Old age cannot be stopped. Can anyone ever stop death? No. So the question was, how can we free ourselves from these miseries of life? So, what do we have to give in charity? Knowledge. Knowledge that is lacking. Prabhupada was once giving a lecture at a major university in America. He said, in this university, is there any department that tells you what happens after death? And there was complete silence. So we have to, what do we have to give in charity? Transcendental knowledge. This is the knowledge that Shri Prabhupada brought with him when he came to the West. And this knowledge is what has inspired thousands around the world to change their lifestyles. So we have in charity, we can offer in charity transcendental knowledge. And our spiritual grandfather used to say, if at all there is a shortage of anything on the planet, it's just this transcendental knowledge. You have so many schools and colleges.
but very few of them offer you spiritual understanding. So what do we have in charity? We give them transcendental knowledge. And what is the essence of transcendental knowledge? What's the essence of transcendental knowledge? Who knows? The essence of transcendental knowledge is you have to serve God. But the medium to serve God is the chanting of the Hare Krishna Mahaman. The essence of the scriptures is that in this age of Kali, in which people are not by and large too inclined to spiritual life, the chanting of the holy name is our most valuable asset. This holy name descends from the spiritual world. And Rupa Goswami himself explains in text 7 of this book that the holy name of the Lord is sweet like sugar candy. The holy, the pastimes of the Lord are sweet like sugar candy. The qualities of the Lord are sweet like sugar candy. But unfortunately, we can't taste the sweetness. Why? Why? Because our tongue is diseased. We are affected by avidya. The two words in Sanskrit, vidya and avidya. Vidya means transcendental knowledge, and avidya means the opposite. So because we are affected with avidya, just like sometimes you see, so you may have something very palatable in front of you. Because you have blisters in the tongue, you can't taste it. So due to the influence of avidya, we don't get attracted to the holy name of the Lord. I know people who are being preached for years and years, but they still can't get it take to the chanting of the Holy Name. Why? We're too attracted to Avidya. So, the next question is, is there a cure to this? In material life, <coughs> you go to a doctor, he may identify the disease. But then if you ask him, is there any cure to it, sir? And what's the reply? Sorry, there's no cure. But Rupa Goswami says, there is a cure. What is the cure? The cure is that if we chant the holy name regularly and attentively, then the disease of Vidya get cured and once again you'll experience the sweetness of the holy name. So this is the essence of transcendental knowledge. The essence of transcendental knowledge is understanding that the medium through which we can please the Lord is chanting of the holy names of the Lord. All the scriptures emphasize this point even in the Bible, there's a similar statement, thou shalt always chant the names of the Lord. So this chanting of the holy names of the Lord is our most important activity. And the holy name, where is it coming from? It's coming from the spiritual world. The holy name is not coming from the material world. It's coming from the spiritual world. Many times, people come and say, you chant the same name every day, don't you get tired? Our answer is, no, we don't get tired. Why? Because this is transcendental sound vibration. The holy name is coming from the spiritual world and is not different from the Lord. So this chanting of the holy name is the medium through which we can cleanse the heart. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu instructed his followers to write volumes of books. But he himself left behind only eight verses that we identify as. So in the very first verse, he explains why, what is the benefit of chanting. And we say, one benefit of chanting the holy name is, it cleanses the heart. 
just like you take medicine. Why do you take medicine to, to free yourself from the disease? So our disease is unlimited material attachments and we need a cure. And the cure is this chanting of the holy names of the Lord. Prabhupada, when he came to America, <coughs> he primarily had the holy name with him. He had the Srivad Bhagavatam, first canto, printed in three volumes. But basically, he presented the holy name. He started chanting the holy name in the famous Tompkins Square Park, and gradually others took to it, and the holy name spread in short time to the whole world. So this holy name is the essence of the Vedic knowledge. Nama Chintamani Krishna. The holy name is like a touchstone. Anybody who chants, knowingly or unknowingly, is going to get benefit. So what do we have to give in charity? Transcendental knowledge. Knowledge of the Bhagavad Gita. Knowledge of the Bhagavatam. And the essence is chanting the holy names of the Lord. In the Srimad Bhagavatam 6 canto, Pariksit Maharaj inquired, how can one permanently cleanse the heart? Pariksit Maharaj was not interested in a philosophy where you sin and atone. So Shukadeva Goswami said, you, you can cleanse the heart by the process of pure devotional service. And he cited the story of Ajimil, in which you read the importance of chanting the holy names of the Lord. So we have to give in charity something very valuable. Many times the materialists say, what are these Hare Krishnas doing? Just stay all day, ring the bell. No, we are giving people very important transcendental knowledge. And ISKCON is more like an educational institution where people are being trained in the higher values of life. We have primarily two types of knowledge in society. Material knowledge and, and spiritual knowledge. Material knowledge is available in almost every corner of the globe. Every corner of the globe we see schools and colleges. But spiritual knowledge is being released through very few sources. So this spiritual knowledge should be broadcasted to every town and village. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Jai Dakatai Krishna you see, please give him knowledge about Krishna. So it doesn't matter which is contemporary you go to around the world, you give the you get the same message. It's not that in Washington we've been given a certain message, in New York there'll be a different message. The same message why? Because Prabhupada gave us nothing but the absolute pure knowledge. So <coughs> six rasas can be practiced among the devotees. One is Give charity. So we're giving charity transcendental knowledge. We're giving charity knowledge that can really help you, free you from the cycle of birth and death. By and large, people today are drinking poison. And the spiritualists, they beg them, please don't drink poison, drink nectar. Those who are fortunate, they say, yes, you're right. I'm going to change my lifestyle. And those who are unfortunate, they say, get lost. Let us continue with the style we have. So we give in charity <coughs> transcendent knowledge. Now we give in charity transcendent knowledge, maybe in the form of books. And most of you know, Prabhupada translated nearly 90 books. And he gave great importance to reading and distributing these books only because it has valuable information. So, we give in charity transcendental knowledge. 
And what do we accept in exchange? We accept in exchange gifts in charity. And it may be a form of a donation, etc. Whatever they give, we accept to run the Krishna consciousness movement. But that's not the end. Reveal your mind and take instructions. Now, our mind may have many doubts. We may have many questions. But we can reveal our mind. But who should you reveal your mind to? That's a real question. If you read the Bhagavad Gita, you'll notice that Arjuna is constantly asking questions. Am I right? Constantly. So someone may say, why should Arjuna, an eternal companion of the Lord, have to ask these questions? Like one question he asked is, how is one compelled into sinful acts, even unwillingly? So Arjuna was asking questions on our behalf, for our benefit. Arjuna is an eternal companion of the Lord. There's no question of his being bewildered. But Arjuna asked these questions for our benefit so that we could correct ourselves and accept what is right. Similarly in the Srimad Bhagavatam, we see so many questions being asked. Parikshita Maharaj, for example, was cursed to die in seven days. So Parikshita Maharaj called all the great sages and presented a simple question. What should one do who is about to die? It's a question that we should all be asking. So it's not that Parikshita Maharaj didn't know the answer. He knew the answer, but he wanted to ask the question for our benefit. So we see in the Bhagavatam also questions and answers. The sages in Namashranya assembled and they were inquiring from Sutta Goswami. So to ask questions is not embarrassing. Sometimes we feel, oh, if I ask questions, they'll take a very new fight. We should reveal our mind, ask questions, but ask questions to the right personality, not just anyone. When you want to do some medical work, you just don't catch a man on the street and tell him, here's a knife, operate. When you want a lawyer, you don't say, just catch anyone on the street and say, what should I do? You go to the appropriate authority. So similarly, over here, Rupa Goswami is explaining one of the exchanges with devotees is we reveal our mind to those who are more advanced. We can possibly have three levels of association. A. Association with those who are more advanced. B. Association with those who are equally advanced. C. Association with those who are what? Less advanced. How do we behave in these circumstances? When you have the opportunity to associate with those who are more advanced, we should become joyful because you're going to hear something that's going to nourish your life. In the Bhagavatam example is cited, peacocks when they see clouds, for the first time in a rainy season, they dance in ecstasy. So when you associate with somebody more advanced, you can reveal your mind to him and ask him confidentially. If you have doubts of the philosophy, sure, clarify your doubts. To ask questions, Prabhupada often said, is a sign of intelligence. If you have questions, ask from those who are more advanced. But ask them only if you are also going to respect the instruction. There's no point in going and saying, these are my doubts, but I'll end up doing, I'll do what I want to do. Ask questions and accept instructions. And that is how one can advance spiritually. So to ask questions 
is not a sign of foolishness. Rather, the other way around is a sign of intelligence. So one is given charity, accept charity. You're given charity, transfer knowledge, and we accept in return whatever they give that we use to facilitate the expansion of preaching. I think now we are embarking on a project to build a temple. So what's the purpose of the temple going to be? The purpose of the temple is going to be <coughs> to attract more people to the path of Krishna consciousness. Prabhupada used to say, I can sit underneath a tree and chant. I don't need a big temple. But the temple is for the benefit of society. So they have a nice place where they can come and sit and listen to the philosophy. So, we give in charity, and what do we do? Accept in charity. If we have doubts, questions, confusion on issues, we go to somebody who is more advanced. Not just anyone. Sometimes we have a habit of just going to those who are also having spiritual trouble and ask them questions. <coughs> and you get, you get what you want to hear and you thereby become weak. But if you want to ask questions, ask to those who are spiritually disciplined and who have spiritual character. <coughs> then it says, accept prasad and offer prasad. No Krishna conscious activity is complete without eating prasad. Prasad means mercy of the Lord. Prabhupada, when he opened the first temple in New York, he would personally cook the Sunday feast. Can you imagine? Personal devotees didn't know anything. He virtually taught them anything, everything. <coughs> Prabhupada, after establishing Krishna consciousness, in the various parts of the world. He concentrated on Soviet Union. At that time, <coughs> there was a very big, what you call, Eastern Bloc. I don't know if you remember. Which included many communist countries where religion was more or less banned. So Prabhupada went to Soviet Union in 1972 just for five days. And within five days, one Russian became a disciple. And Prabhupada, in a brief period of three days, well, he met him on the third day. In three days, trained him up in everything. How to wear a dhoti, how to chant, how to cook, how to preach. So, and then he, he left. So we accept Krishna Prashad in the third, in the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna says, we should eat Krishna Prasad. And one who eats food that is not offered to the Lord, what does he do? He's eating only sin. So we have this wonderful Krishna Prasad. I've had instances around the world where I've met people who are very opposed to our philosophy. But the Prasad, their hearts would melt. I was once in a Muslim country, and our host uh, had invited a journalist. So the journalist was very critical as to why we were preaching Krishna consciousness in a Muslim-oriented country. So rather than argue, we just gave him some very nice prashad. And when he got this nice prashad, he stopped criticizing and came back the next day again for more prashad. So we accept prashad. That's our first principle. We accept only Krishna prashad. And as Thakura Bhaktivinoda says, the Lord is so kind that he gives us this Krishna prashad. So prashad means food over to the Lord. Patsam paspam param toyam Krishna tells us what you can take and what you can't take. So we accept prasad. Amongst Vaishnavas, they often invite other Vaishnavas 
Vaprasad. A Vaishnava who doesn't invite other Vaishnavas is not the best Vaishnava. And a Vaishnava who invites others, feeds them Prasad, is getting unlimited mercy of the Lord. In every Iskand temple, we have the Sunday feast, and Prabhupada wanted in every major temple, everyone who comes in <coughs> should have the opportunity <coughs> to eat Krishna Prasad. Like in India, there are several temples like Balaji. It doesn't matter how many people go, they get served with Prasad. So we serve Prasad and we serve Prasad. Like in our temples, we cook Prasad and serve Prasad. So these are the loving exchanges amongst the body. Now, Prabhupada says, these exchanges are also being ex- realized in material society. Like a businessman, he wants to strike a business deal. He wants to cultivate a customer. What does he do? Go to the restaurant, invite people for dinner, lunch. Is that right? Some people invite people to the golf courses, <laughs> make deals on the golf course. So, it's try to socialize. So our socializing is spiritual. We don't materially socialize. We socialize so that we can achieve the goal of life. The Rupa Goswami talks about these six rasas among the devotees. And by practicing these rasas, we can make spiritual advancement. Actually, the sharing of the holy name not only cleanses the heart, but also gives you ultimate spiritual happiness. One of the benefits of chanting the holy name is you get unlimited spiritual happiness. Prahlad Maharaj says, we're all looking for happiness, but we don't know how to find real happiness. So if you want real happiness, here is a path, chant the holy name. And chant the holy name with determination. Not that someone criticizes you and you stop chanting. And this chanting of the holy name is coming from the spiritual world. So Rupa Goswami, in this verse, is offering us knowledge how to cultivate different relationships with other devotees. So to summarize, what are the six rasas? One, give in charity. So what do you, what do you have to give in charity? <coughs> Either the Hare Krishnas or paupers. So what do we have to give in charity? Transcendental knowledge. And what do we ex- get in exchange? Some gifts. We make people life members. We give them our books. And they offer us some thing in exchange to facilitate the working of the society. Then what else? What else? You really mind to those who are more advanced. When you have doubts, remove your doubts with a weapon of knowledge. To have doubts is nothing unusual, but we should eliminate the doubts according to scriptures. We do that with the assistance of somebody who is more advanced and fixed. And then what's the next rasa? Serve prasad and eat prasad. We serve prasad to our guests, to our friends, to our relatives. We offer them prasad. We accept and we also give. It should not be, I only accept prasad, but I don't give prasad. It should be a mutual exchange. So Rupa Goswami says, if we cultivate these loving rasas, relationship with other devotees, we will be able to make spiritual advancement. Prabhupada says, the International Society for Krishna Consciousness was formed to facilitate these six rasas among devotees. So, Iskon is creating a family of devotees.
And in order to have a good relationship with other spiritualists, these six rasas are strongly recommended. Rupa Goswami has given us many wonderful pieces of literature. And in this in these literatures it gives us guidance as to how you can lead a successful life. So we want to thank all of you who have been supporting the temple throughout our regular visitors to the temple. Mainly, as we said earlier, those who are attracted to Bhakti Yoga come to Eskon Temple. And Eskon is presenting the unadulterated pure philosophy for being happy. So please take the Krishna consciousness, practice these six rasas, and you'll lead a happy life. Hare Krishna. And I'm a little late if you have any questions. Any questions? Yeah. Guru Maharaj, we, uh, we're talking about the prasadam. There is a, uh, most of the ISKCON center, we have two kinds of prasadam. One which is offered to the deities and one is offered <coughs> to Srila Prabhupada. So what is the difference between these two prasadam? <coughs> it's both prasad. We offer the Prabhupada, offer to the Devi. Prasad, offer to Prabhupada, is also prasad. It's not that prasad offer, food offer to Prabhupada is not prasad. That's also prasad. Any more? Yes. Maharaj sorry, Hare Krishna Maharaj um, I want to know what is the secret to Radha Tattva and Radha Bhakti? Radha Bhakti? What is the secret? There is no secret. When you get advanced on the devotional path, then you can understand Radha Krishna's relationship. Krivabhyasa there presented the Raskamila and the Bhagavatam. Only after, in the other chapters, he had clearly established who Krishna is. So our mood should not be, why would we hear about Rasalila? Our mood should be, let me purify myself and understand the philosophy. Then we get into that. So we require patience and tolerance. The many professional reciters who straight away go, <coughs> to Radha Tattva. But Prabhupada, if you read Prabhupada's lectures, you'll find he doesn't mention this at all. Okay? Any more? So thank you very much. Hare Krishna.